Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. The impeachment of Joe Biden has moved one step closer after Kevin McCarthy says the Biden business dealings may be reaching a level of impeachment inquiry. This one, my friends, is for all the liberals and all the Democrats. And I would request that you all just share this video with them right now, for I have a question for all of you who may find yourselves watching this video. We'll certainly talk about the news and what Kevin McCarthy said, and you don't have to agree with him, but I'm going to play for you this clip first. Uh, Let me make sure we have the audio set properly, and here we go. I'll give you one concrete example. I I, I was... Not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. And, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." (laughs) I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. All right. That's Joe Biden on video saying that he told Ukraine's top leadership, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you're not getting the billion dollars. I am making no direct statements as to what that means. I have a question for all of you before we read the news. In this article from USA Today, October 21st, 2020, fact check, Biden leveraged $1 billion in aid to Ukraine to oust corrupt prosecutor not to help his son. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Joe Biden was trying to help his son, but that it is a fact that Joe Biden leveraged $1 billion in aid to Ukraine to oust a corrupt prosecutor. That is to say, he went to them and said, if you want something, 
you must give me something in return. Now, many people have argued that was the policy of the United States. We wanted Ukraine's prosecutor fired. So, of course, Joe Biden, as vice president, had the authority to threaten to withhold aid to Ukraine because it was a policy position of the U.S. Okay, here's CNBC. Trump administration broke law in withholding Ukraine aid. Watchdog says as Senate prepares for impeachment trial. Now, hold on there a minute, my friends. How are both of these uh, articles from the same year? One from October, one from January. Trump was the president of the United States. He sets foreign policy. That's what he does. In fact, Joe Biden said, call the president. When they said, you don't have the authority, he said, call the president. Okay. Well, Trump is the president here. And he said to uh, 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 Ukraine, you know, there was a threat to withhold aid. Why is it that Trump broke the law in doing it and that uh, Joe Biden did not? Okay, now many of you are probably saying, well, it's because Trump was trying to dig up dirt on his political opponent. Yes, but that's an opinion statement, not a fact statement. And you're fine to believe that opinion. It's what you see and you think Trump is doing. The reality is there is no direct evidence that Donald Trump was explicitly doing this because he was trying to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. It may be a preponderance of, uh, of evidence, meaning there are things that suggest that may be the case. Preponderance of evidence does not mean direct proof is a better way I should phrase it. That is to say, you can look at Trump and his character and you can think, you know what? I really do believe, unfortunately, really do believe is not grounds for a fact statement. It's grounds for an opinion statement. So when you look at all the information coming out on Joe Biden, his son making $83,000 per month on the board of Burisma, and the phone calls that we now know Joe Biden was involved in. Well, now you have a question of why is it wrong for anyone else to believe that Joe Biden was trying to assist his son in illicit business dealings by leveraging withholding aid? They're both opinion statements. I am of the view that Donald Trump, as he often does, bumbled into this phone call with Ukraine because a video had gone viral. This video indeed that I just played for you of Joe Biden saying, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you're not getting the money. Call the president. Well, as we've already heard from the, the, these watchdog groups, the presumption is it's illegal to do that. So Donald Trump sees that. Here's his supporters talking about it and says, whatever, calls and says, I want you to look into this. People want to know that we're doing something about it. I am not saying that I just absolutely believe Donald Trump or trust the man. Not quite. Not really, to be completely honest. But you need to tell me why you think Joe Biden is allowed to leverage withholding aid and Trump is not. Now, I know there's going to be a whole bunch of opinions, but the reality is this. Democrats tend to just say Joe Biden was doing something good. Donald Trump was doing something bad. The unfortunate reality for all of you Democrats, the Republicans say quite literally the same thing, that Donald Trump was doing something good and Joe Biden was doing something bad. All I can say right now is on the surface, and as the facts dictate, they did the same things with one big difference. Donald Trump was the president. Now, if you want to make an argument that the president doesn't have the authority to withhold loan guarantees, fine. Trump and Biden are both guilty. And thus, Joe Biden should 
be facing some impeachment inquiry, not specifically over his actions as vice president, which was a long time ago, or his actions before he was president, but his actions while he was president. The lies and the connections, which may end up being a massive conflict of interest. The reality is this. A lot of what Joe Biden did that we view as corrupt did happen before he was president. And Rick Santorum came on Tim Castillo, made a fair point. We should only impeach him for things he has done as president. OK, but there is still a very deep question of Joe Biden and Hunter are still involved in these business deals. They don't simply cease. I think the unfortunate reality is this is the status quo of Washington, D.C. And the reason why many of these intelligence agencies are so reluctant to go after presidents for these things is because they'd have to go after every single president. Did you know that Donald Trump ordered a commando, uh, a commando raid in Yemen? One of the first things he did when he became president, according to family members in Yemen, the commando raid resulted in the death of an eight year old American girl. What would you call that? Well, collateral damage. But that is horrifying. For the time being, these are accusations made by the family. We don't have the strongest of evidence, but I demand an inquiry into this, an investigation. I want to know, did Trump order a commando raid, which resulted in an eight year old American girl's death? We need proof. I don't know if that rises to the level of intentional murder or anything like that, but I don't think any president should be uh, absolved of any wrongdoing. In the United States, we would call that something akin to manslaughter. Perhaps, you know, when you when you have police on a on a on a uh, raid with a warrant and all of that, and it's justified, and someone loses their life, we don't call that murder, depending on how it went down. In this instance, a commando raid in Yemen. We're not at war with that country. So I have to wonder about that, in which case I would like an inquiry. Uh oh, Barack Obama ordered a drone strike on a civilian restaurant in Yemen, which killed a 16 year old American citizen. And that we know for sure did happen. And they said, whoops, they were targeting someone else. It was an accident. I believe that both Trump and Obama should be held accountable if that's the case. But do you know why they don't go after Donald Trump on that issue? Because if they did, Obama, Bush, Clinton, they would all get locked up for everything they've done overseas. So the question then becomes why when Donald Trump leverages withholding aid, do they go after him for impeachment? But when Joe Biden does it, they do not. Well, I think it's rather simple. This is the lightest of approaches. They need some reason to go after Donald Trump. They want to go after him. They want to stop him. I mean, look at the Presidential Records Act stuff they're doing. They lied and claimed that there was an audio of him holding up classified documents. There's no video of it. And it, as it turns out, a news story had just come out about Milley and attacking Iran. And in all likelihood, we can only assume Trump was referring to that printed out document because he had already said before the story that he had newspaper clippings in these boxes. But of course, the framing is always the worst possible framing for Trump and the best possible framing for Joe Biden. How about this? How about we all agree on this? You investigate Trump to any extent you want, and then we do the same to Joe Biden for the same things. I'm totally fine with that. If Trump broke the law, lock him up. If Joe Biden broke the law, lock him up. But why is it that when there is a video of Joe Biden saying, call the president, you're not getting the billion dollars? Nope. Have you seen the price of gold lately? 
It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. But he cares. Trump sees this and he says, what's going on now? By all means, you're saying so Trump saw corruption, saw this video, calls Ukraine, says, tell me what this is. And if you don't, you're not getting the loan guarantees. Hmm. It's interesting. I guess the, the, the best case scenario for Democrats or, or, or the. The only thing you can really say is, I guess both Trump and Biden broke the law, right? OK, fine. Lock them both up. I don't care. Lock them both up if they broke the law. But you're not going to convince me that Joe Biden was doing good and Trump was doing bad simply based on your opinion. That's not how the law works. And so long as that's the case, we have a fractured and broken country. Let me show you this. Here's 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 uh, uh, at Mays on Twitter. I saw this. Mike Cernovich retweeted this. He says, where's the proof that Biden is actually corrupt? Emails, text messages, bank statements that explicitly detail the scams the Biden were running. No, I want real proof. A video of Biden himself extorting. I showed you that video already. No, I want real proof. Whistleblowers and business partners that have spent hours detailing the scam the Bidens were running. No, I want real proof. See, you don't have any. You're in a cult. Tony Bobulinski. He was the first. Bobulinski said, yeah, the big guy, Joe Biden, was involved. Now we have Devin Archer. Devin Archer saying Joe Biden was on dozens, two dozen phone calls with Hunter and his business associates. So, uh, yeah, he's involved. Now, you may be saying, but what, what does this have to do with like, whether or not Joe Biden's advising his son or on these phone calls? So what? So what? Joe Biden went to Ukraine and said, fire Victor Shokin, the prosecutor, or you're not getting a billion dollar loan guarantee. And uh, let me see if I can uh, do I have this story pulled up from The New York Post, September 25th, 2019. President discussed alleged Biden corruption with Ukraine leader. In the conversation, Trump mentions that a Ukrainian prosecutor was very good and he was shut down. It's really unfair. He then suggested that President Volodymyr Zelensky get in contact with Rudy Giuliani's personal lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Call lasted 30 minutes. There's talk of Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. Zelensky assured Trump that he would look into the situation. The next prosecutor general will be 100 percent my person, my candidate who will be approved by the parliament, he told Trump. He or she will look into the situation. The issue of the investigation of the case is actually the issue of making sure to restore the honesty. So we will take care of that and we'll work on the investigation of the case. I'm sure you will find out, et cetera, et cetera. But Shokin, who was voted out of office by Ukraine's parliament, was looking into Burisma holding 
energy energy company that gave Hunter Biden a seat on its board. Burisma paid Hunter as much as $50,000 a month. Since this reporting, we know that it was 83. Shokin's replacement, Yuri Lutsenko, continued the investigation into Burisma and concluded there was no evidence of wrongdoing by Joe Biden or his son. Okay. So it is a fact. And this is something that's denied by Democrats all the time, but it is a reported fact that has always been a fact that Victor Shokin was looking into Burisma Holding. In fact, reporting by Matt Matt Taibbi, and a lot of people don't like him because inconvenient facts, I suppose. Victor Shokin had at least a dozen or so investigations into Burisma. Many Democrats and say, yeah, but he wasn't actually pursuing them. Some of them were currently on hold, but this is a normal process that happens in lots of prosecution uh, cases. They're usually waiting for evidence or waiting for testimony or waiting for documents. But either way, is the suggestion that Victor Shokin should have been prosecuting? That's certainly what they say. say he wasn't looking into it. How convenient. When Shokin got fired, Mykola Zlachevsky returned to the country. When Trump got, uh, 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 when Trump came in and started talking about this case, Zlachevsky flees once again. And this is where we currently are. Right now, we know that uh, Hunter Biden's gallery sold his art to a Democratic donor friend who Joe Biden named to a prestigious commission. You see, here's the reality, my friends. The reason why they're not going after Joe Biden and his family for all the things we know they do, which is illicit, illegal, etc. It's because this is normal. What's not normal is Donald Trump threatening to look into it. See, that's the problem. The problem was influence peddling is the name of the game in Washington, D.C. Everyone does it. Everyone's done it. And it goes back probably 100 plus years. Certainly at the start of this country, less so, but probably still existed because people, well, people are corrupt. It's not just that, though. Some of it is kind of just inevitable. I mean, look, if you are the president of the Cracker Factory and your neighbor has a kid looking for a job, you give him a job. Is that influence peddling? Is that, is that uh, uh, in any way untoward? Is it nepotism? It's not. I mean, nepotism is directly family members, but people would be like, you got a job because he's friends. Well, you've got to hire who you know. So if Joe Biden's connected with people and then they go to dinner and Hunter Biden happens to be at that dinner, Hunter Biden makes connections. He's going to get these business deals. That in and of itself is nothing that really bothers me. It just is. The issue is when Hunter Biden and his dad are leveraging his position in government as threats. Certainly then you see Democrats say, but but Jared Kushner was negotiating these deals while Trump was doing these deals. And you've got Ivanka Trump was getting these trademarks in China while Trump was. Yeah, that's a reality of proximity. I'm not going to cry about it. Trump made one mistake. He tried to upset the status quo. When they found out that Trump made that phone call, you know what the reality was? They said, we all do this. How dare he? How dare he? I'm not saying Trump did it. I'm not saying that Trump was directly involved. But if evidence comes out that Trump was leveraging his position as president to secure business deals for his family, I would say the same thing as I would say of Joe Biden. And we can certainly talk about Trump trying to use Trump Doral in Florida for the G7, a direct benefit to him. He claimed it wasn't. He stopped. We can talk about, and I mentioned this yesterday too, the State Department website that was reportedly showing advertisements for Donald Trump's resorts. Also not good. Not good at all. Shouldn't happen. Does that reach the level of impeachment and criminal acts? No, it reaches the level of public complaints and, and you know, maybe filing some complaints and then an ethics board being like, Trump, you can't do that. Joe Biden 
having friends make donations. You see, this is the corruption within the system. And Donald Trump wanted to look into it. So here's where we are now. Impeachment inquiry. Hmm. It's meaningless. Impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden appear to be one step closer. After Kevin McCarthy said on Monday that a GOP probe into the president is rising to the level of impeachment inquiry. Means nothing. Sorry. It just doesn't mean anything to me. What, what can I say? It doesn't mean anything. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to go after Joe Biden or Hunter Biden or whatever. We know that whistleblowers have already come out saying that Hunter Biden was getting special treatment. We know that Hunter Biden broke the law. Hunter Biden lied on a form to purchase a gun. I'm of the opinion he should not go to jail or be criminally charged for that. I'm of the opinion the jury should nullify and we have a Second Amendment constitutional right. However, if you as a Democrat are in favor of gun control, you should be demanding the prosecution of Hunter Biden for illegally purchasing a firearm. And then I believe it was his significant other who threw it in a trash can behind a high school. You absolutely should be demanding an investigation into that. I don't think Trump is an innocent, perfect person. I think Trump does a lot of dumb things. But the reality is this. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Everybody has done something that they can twist into a criminal act. Everybody. I mean, look, you probably jaywalked, many of you. Jaywalked the other day. If a cop really wanted to, he could stop you and give you a ticket. You know that uh, a cop can give you a ticket for going through a yellow light? That's funny, right? You're driving. You're approaching the intersection when the light turns yellow and you think, what should I do? Should you slam your brakes on to stop or should you go through the light? Guess what? A cop can give you a ticket either way and you're guilty. That's the reality. You need to understand that when it comes to law, let's talk about disorderly conduct. What does that even mean? People say they have free speech in this country and you're allowed to go outside and say what you want. You are. And all the cop need do is say you're being disorderly and then they can give you a ticket. So if you are holding up a sign and protesting, the cop can say, I'm not saying anything about their speech. It's just they were screaming in people's faces and we told them to stop and they wouldn't. So we, we charged them with disorderly conduct and we arrested them because disorderly conduct is an opinion statement to be interpreted by a judge and the cop can just arrest you. The reality is this. What I see is Donald Trump may or may not have done things wrong. Sure. But why is it that when Joe Biden threatens to withhold aid, we say that's American policy? But when Donald Trump, who quite literally sets policy, says he wants to withhold aid, they say, no, he's trying to dig up dirt on his political opponent. Well, you can go ahead and assume that and fine, but Trump's never been found guilty of doing anything criminal in that regard. It is the assumption of politicos and people in the media that Trump was trying to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. The reality was the dirt was already viral in a video. Joe Biden said he did this thing. How come then? When Joe Biden does it, it is not true that he was helping his son, despite the fact that it literally did help his son. So I'll put it this way. Perhaps Joe Biden was not trying to get a prosecutor fired to help his son. Fair point. It's an opinion statement. So then I will say this. The truth is, by getting the prosecutor fired, whether intentionally or not, Joe Biden did help his son. And now that we're learning that's Joe Biden was on the phone call with a couple dozen times, uh, Hunter Biden's associates. Well, now there's a preponderance of evidence. If Joe Biden was on the calls with his son, had met with his business partners, could it be that Hunter Biden acted as a, as a proxy for himself? 
I'm not going to go ahead and say I know definitively that's true, but certainly there's a preponderance of evidence, right? There's the email suggesting 10% held by Hunter for the big guy. And who's the big guy? Well, according to business associates involved in the deal, it was Joe Biden. Okay. Hey, the one thing I'll give you is you don't impeach someone for something they did before. That's fine. But perhaps you can criminally charge them for the illegal things they did before. How about that? You want to go after Trump? Do so with my blessing. But that also means you've got to go after Joe Biden. And we cannot exist as a country if y'all are sitting there saying Trump is evil. He should be charged. Joe Biden is good. He should not be charged. It should be for a jury to decide. So I'll give you this. You want to arrest and indict Trump? Sure, fine, whatever. I don't care. Do it. Because if he broke the law, he should go to jail. And then I all eagerly await your honor and integrity in criminally charging Joe Biden. But I got to be honest. I'm not going to hold my breath. Clip of Biden calling voter who asked about Hunter's foreign business deal a damn liar resurfaces after $10 million corruption claims emerged. Okay. You know what? The Republicans won't do anything anyway. So you can rest your little head and uh, go to sleep with that warm, fuzzy feeling. Don't worry. The Joe Biden corporate neoliberal establishment shill that you know and love will likely be okay. Hmm. Have a nice day, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. News has just broken that the 18-year-old son of LeBron James, Bronny James, has suffered a cardiac arrest during a USC workout, and people are freaking out. Already on Twitter, vaccine is trending, with many people saying, when are we going to talk about the vaccine and these cardiac arrest incidents? There have been many stories which lead people to speculate. One was about a young high school, I believe in high school, Playing tennis suffered cardiac arrest. There was a story out of Brazil, I believe, of an athlete who was unable to compete after suffering myocarditis, and he died. And of course, many people make, uh, are speculating about whether or not the vaccine plays a role. And I, I want to talk about all this. I want to show you some of the news. Elon Musk has chimed in on whether he thinks there's some relation to vaccines or things like that. But I want to first give you the news. And then we'll go over what the CDC says, what the news reporting is, how YouTube approaches this, how a judge has ruled on these vaccines. And I want to show you, I think, the most important bit of information pertaining to the vaccine. And it is the number of doses given, which is around, as of October, I believe, 12 billion. 
which plays a role in what I think is going on. But uh, I will always say this when starting videos off on medical issues. I'm no doctor. I've always said this, dude. I'm not a doctor. You need to find a doctor you trust. Okay, this is why we have a bunch of different doctors, you know, and a lot of people uh, don't trust the medical system. And I completely understand. I recently went to Tijuana to get medical treatment. This was mostly because it takes too long in the United States. But I did talk to several doctors here and, you know, I thought they were I trusted them and uh, I just found better treatment somewhere else. I do think it is possible to find a good doctor in the U.S. because, you know, if, if you're somebody, you know, I had this argument with Alex Stein and he was like, no, the medical system is corrupt. I'm like, hey, man, dude, I completely agree. But, you know, there, there, are, there are doctors who watch the same news as you and, and know the same. Thing. Doctors are people. If you are seeing things online and reading things that give you pause, you realize there are doctors out there who read the same stuff as you. Like, find the good doctor. So a lot of people will say, like, oh, Tim, but you can afford the best doctors. Dude, money isn't the issue. Go to West Virginia and find a doctor and they'll tell you what's up. Just take your advice from people who know better. But let me at least go over what the news says, how YouTube is handling this. And here's the breaking story from TMZ. Bronny James suffers cardiac arrest during USC workout. LeBron James' sonny, Bronny, was rushed to a hospital after suffering cardiac arrest during a basketball workout, TMZ report Sports has learned. A James family spokesperson tells TMZ Sports, yesterday while practicing, Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest. Medical staff was able to treat Bronny and take him to the hospital. He is now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. We ask for respect and privacy for the James family, and we will update media when there is more information. The spokesperson continues, LeBron and Savannah wish to publicly send their deepest thanks and appreciation to the USC medical and athletic staff for the incredible work and dedication to the safety of of their athletes. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ Sports a 911 call was made at 926 a.m. Monday from USC's Galen Center for the venue where the team plays and practices. Center four is something missing there. And the 18 year old Hooper, who was unconscious, was taken by uh, by ambulance to the hospital. Our sources say it was a code three, meaning the ambulance lights and sirens, which signifies the seriousness of the emergency. Bronny is a rising talent in the sport. He recently committed to the Trojans and is expected to end up in the NBA. Although I must say right now, not a sports expert, completely unrelated to anything pertaining to vaccine stuff. I'm just going to say my assumption is that uh, not likely the case. I mean, you suffer a cardiac arrest. It's a serious, serious event. And that's going to have serious uh, impact on your on your eligibility and your capabilities. They say, I, I think the, uh, what is it like people who suffer heart attacks and cardiac arrest are substantially more likely to experience them later on in life. Bronny was a McDonald's All-American during his high school senior season. And LeBron has expressed his desire to play alongside his son in the league. Now I'm just going to point this out, you know, cause everybody's trend, trending, trending vaccine. And yeah, maybe it was a McDonald's Q litigation from McDonald's corporation. Yeah, maybe eating all those salty, greasy garbage burgers that are made of plastic did it to him. No, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, I do want to show you some data and we'll talk about it. They say Bronny also followed his, in his dad's footsteps and competed in the slam dunk competition at the high school showcase in March. I hope the guy's OK. Seems like a cool dude. Hope everyone, uh, I, you know, I hope he's safe. I hope he leads a happy and good life. I hope he makes it to the NBA and all that good stuff happens for him. I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. Bronny will have close friend to lean on his situation if he needs one as Shaquille O'Neal's son. Sharif O'Neal dealt with a heart issue of his own back in 2018 when he was a teenage basketball star. You'll recall, you'll recall Sharif required surgery to fix an abnormality in his ticker. And while it's unclear if Bronny's medical emergency is even remotely similar, 
The two are good pals and appear to be totally fine and confiding with one another, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't, I don't care about all that stuff. So, so this is the big news. All right. All right. Let's break down this story and uh, uh, get into the idea, uh, uh, get into the, the, the argument around vaccines. Let me just start by saying a few things and you are free to dis- you don't have to agree with me. I think experimental medicine is absolutely awesome and fantastic. I just don't think people should be forced to undergo experimental treatments. You see that government mandates and social pressures from massive corporations, I think, are evil. But the idea that Trump would fund experimental medicine, it's 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 a good thing. Sorry, I just think it is the idea that um, we would uh, try to advance these technologies. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But the problem is how during the lockdowns, people were forced to undergo uh, uh, these treatments, which were new. That wrong. Very wrong. Trump was in favor of right to try. I'm a huge fan of that. People who are dying should have the right to try experimental treatments prescribed by a doctor in clinical studies, because for one, they've got nothing left to lose. If they're dying, it's their choice. And more importantly, it could provide data that could save more lives. So it, it, it does bug me. And again, you got no, you don't have to agree with me. It, it bothers me that people are like, look, I think warp speed was, you know, Trump was just trying to score a win in, in, in COVID. But I don't like people conflating the idea of funding experimental medicine with corrupt, massive multinational pharmaceuticals and government mandates. These are all separate things. OK, no bid, no liability contracts. Bad thing. Government requiring medication for uh, for things. Bad things. Experimental medicine, really, really cool if people volunteer and choose to undergo experimental treatments. Take a look at this story from today.com. High school tennis player's teammate and coach save his life after sudden cardiac arrest. This is something that we have seen quite a bit. And right now, you can't avoid it. So YouTube, hold your horses and keep your pants on. This is a major story, and we must address the conversation around vaccines, myocarditis, and heart attacks. Has to happen. Chief Nerd tweeted yesterday while practicing Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest and Elon Musk said, we cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing. Myocarditis is a known side effect. The only question is whether it is rare or common. Well, according to the CDC, it is rare. We have this from healthychildren.org. Sudden cardiac arrest in young people. It happens. Okay, it has happened before. It can happen now. It happened yesterday. It'll happen tomorrow. The issue is why. They tell you what to look for, and they mention what causes sudden cardiac arrest in young people. One of the things they bring up is myocarditis. They say, usually triggered by an infection, myocarditis means the walls of the heart are inflamed. Most myocarditis cases in children happen when a virus, such as an uh, enterovirus, gets into the heart. It can also be caused by bacterial, fungal, or parasite infections and allergic reactions to some medications. People are tweeting that Bronnie James... Uh, two years ago got vaccinated. And they're like, he got vaccinated two years ago. This proves it. And it's like, uh, guys, guys, that was two years ago. So a, a lot of the reporting on this is that uh, like, uh, and this is from the CDC, that it's like typically within a few weeks, you're at risk for side effects and it usually abates. You don't got to trust the CDC or take my word for it. I'm just telling you what they're saying. Two years later, come on, dude could have gotten an infection or whatever. Now I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, but look at all the stories. Look at all the soccer players. Fair point. And I'll address that. First, CDC.gov, selected adverse events reported after COVID-19 vaccination. This is updated July 13th, 2023. This is what the CDC says. This is not my opinion. 
It's the CDC's opinion. You know, you can check it out for yourself. They say myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccination are rare. Myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle and pericarditis is inflammation of the outer lining of the heart. Most patients with myocarditis or pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccination responded well to medicine and, and rest and felt better quickly. In most cases have been reported after receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. I want to stress what they said. Most cases have been reported after receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. I think they are making a reference to the adenovirus. Uh, I could be wrong. To date, evidence indicates the benefits of mRNA COVID-19 vaccination outweigh the risk of myocarditis. CDC and FDA will continue to monitor for and evaluate reports of myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccination. And they say, uh, here we go. Let me uh, pull that one up. Learn more about America. They say data from VSD and from VAERS indicate that rates of myocarditis after COVID-19 vaccination are highest among males in their late teens and early 20s, usually following the second dose of the vaccine. CDC scientists have conducted detailed reviews of cases of myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccines and have made the information available to healthcare providers and the public. This stuff is not a secret. This is, this is the thing, Okay. I've got no issue with people tweeting like that they think we should be um, looking into this stuff and there's potential correlations, all that. I think it's good. Have inquiries, do all that stuff. But the people who are acting like there's some deep conspiracy, I'm like, guys, it's on the CDC's website. They say it outright. Here, I just pulled this one up. Myocarditis and pericarditis after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination. They say they're monitoring it. They explain what it is. Should I get myself vaccinated? Here's what they say. Yes. CDC continues to recommend that everyone ages six months and older get vaccinated for COVID-19. The known risks of COVID-19 illness and its related possibly severe complications, such as long-term health problems, hospitalization, and even death, far outweigh the potential risks of having a rare adverse reaction to vaccination, including the possible risk of myocarditis and pericarditis. If you've already gotten the first dose, et cetera, et cetera, well, you know, talk to your doctor. Just because the CDC website says it doesn't mean you should just do it. But uh, they, they don't seem to give us... Um, hard numbers. They do say myocarditis and pericarditis have rarely been reported. When reported, the cases have been especially have especially been in adolescents and young adult males within several days after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination, bio uh, Pfizer or Moderna. More often of the second dose, usually within a week, most patients with myocarditis and pericarditis who receive care responded well. Patients can usually return to their normal daily activities. Those who have been diagnosed should consult with their cardiologist about a return to exercise or sports. Come on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You get a dude who's playing basketball, really intense exercise, suffers a cardiac arrest, and here's what we can say. We don't know what caused the cardiac arrest right now. We do know that there are rare side effects of the vaccine, which would be pericarditis and myocarditis. We do know that myocarditis does, uh, can cause a cardiac arrest in young men. Therefore, this is why people are connecting those dots. I am not saying it is absolute. I'm saying, take into consideration. Bloomberg says more than 12.7 billion shots given COVID-19 tracker in the U.S., 613 million doses have been administered. This is from October 2022. Okay. 
This is the point that I want to make. All right. Right away, when people say the vaccine did it or whatever, I'm like, okay, look, I don't know for sure. Right. I understand why people think that's the case. But just understand this. If the CDC says it's rare and they've given 613 million doses in the U.S. as of October, it's been almost a year. So I'd imagine they've given quite a bit more, though not as many because less people are getting it. 12.7 billion in the world. What's rare mean? One in a million? One in 10 million? I don't know. But here's, here's what I think. I think it's, it's entirely possible. And I want to pull up this uh, from the CDC because they mention uh, anaphylaxis has occurred five cases per one million vaccine doses administered. One in 200,000 people who have gotten the vaccine have suffered anaphylaxis, a severe type of allergic reaction. One in 200,000. I, I, here, here's a question that I have. How come the news is not reporting on this? If 12.7 billion doses have been given out and they say five cases per one million doses results in uh, uh, anaphylaxis, we should be seeing tons of stories about this. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm just like the speculation. I'm not so sure helps everybody, but I will say this. When in doubt, just remain calm and, and, and have a, you know, you got to You got to You got to think about what makes the most sense for you and talk to a medical professional. If you can't find a good medical professional who is trustworthy, I can. I, the only thing I can really say is you, you just you keep looking. Yep, that's right. And a lot of people are like, no, it's impossible. And I'm like, look, man, the way I, look, doctors are people. They follow a machine. They follow protocol. Big pharma, I think, is really bad. There are a lot of bad doctors, but I know for a fact there are good doctors. You just have to find them. That's it. But uh, I, I point this out because anaphylaxis after COVID vaccine vaccination is rare, they say, but still five per one million. I'm wondering what the myocarditis rate is. They don't actually give us a number. They also mention Guillain-Barre syndrome and things like that. Here's YouTube. Here's, here's YouTube. And, and here's where things get uh, wonky and confusing. I do not believe YouTube should have a policy on medical misinformation at all. This is YouTube deciding what they actually they, they, they arguably could have like one or two policies on like intentionally making up fake information. But people are allowed to be wrong and doctors can be wrong, right? Anybody can be wrong. The problem I have with YouTube's policies are that YouTube is behind the curve on medical science. When it comes, so look, this was, our policies were first published on May 20th, 2020, 2020. When's your latest update on this stuff? They don't tell us. So how are we supposed to know if what they're claiming you can't say, which is a direct statement of fact or, or of opinion on their part? How do we know they're, they're true and correct? They say, I, I do love this though. Like you can't claim COVID vaccines will make you magnetic. Yo, that was the stupidest thing ever. People were putting magnets on their arm and be like, yo, it's sticking. Yeah, because your skin has oil on it, dude. Come on. What do they say? Uh, don't promote the homemade treatments of vaccines. There are a few things that I think are really, really in, uh, important here. <clears throat> they say, uh, wait, well, let me let me find it um, in the examples. Here's the things you are not allowed to say on YouTube. You can't deny COVID. You can't claim people haven't died from COVID. I think that's all insane. Of course, COVID exists. Of course, people died from it. Claims that any vaccine is a guaranteed prevention method for COVID-19. That's an important thing that YouTube is saying. And this is why I think YouTube shouldn't be in this game. YouTube is saying that creators aren't allowed to say there is a way to prevent COVID. That's weird to me. Shouldn't 
Like you're, you're, they're basically saying you can't claim the vaccine is a guaranteed method of prevention. OK, well, don't, that's why I'm like, talk to a doctor, man. They say uh, there's a you can't say there's a cure for it. I love this one. You can't promote miracle mineral solution. I don't know. Claims that certain people have immunity due to their race. You can't say that. Encouraging home remedies, discouraging people from consulting a medical professional. That's the most important thing. Uh, content that claims you're holding your breath as a diagnostic test. Where did these things come from? I've never heard these things. Avoiding Asian food. I love that one. Let's see. So there's basically a few that I think are really important. Claims that COVID-19 are a means of population reduction. I, I, I love it. I love it. Here's what I think. I think massive multinational pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical corporations saw an opportunity to implement mRNA technology, the fastest way to actually produce a vaccine targeting a virus that has, is novel and not yet been seen. And Donald Trump seeing an opportunity to come out as the hero, green lights this because he's a supporter, he supports experimental medicine. And then the main problem is mandates. Mandates. It doesn't seem to me to be a grand conspiracy for the most part. I mean, who am I to know, right? But it just seems like a, a, a product of corporate government uh, collusion, as we often see, as we often see. Here's another. Uh, they have a separate policy. This is really important. This one's important. Vaccine misinformation policy. They say, don't post content to YouTube if it includes harmful misinformation about currently approved and administered vaccines on any of the following. They say that you are not allowed to claim vaccines do not reduce transmission or contraction of disease. The challenge there is that a judge in Staten Island literally ruled this, saying in a, in a, in a, in a court ruling, being vaccinated does not prevent an in individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19. As of the day of this decision, CDC guidelines regarding quarantine and isolation are the same for vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. The petitioners should not have been terminated for choosing to protect themselves. Now, a judge is not a doctor, but I think the issue there that needs to be brought up is YouTube is making an assertion that falls outside the law. Judges make these interpretations and they can be wrong. But YouTube is not a legal authority. If YouTube is mandating that you, you, you either say a positive affirmation or nothing at all, they are forcing a conversation in a direction which could result in dramatic and serious medical misinformation. For that, I say, YouTube, you're complicit. You are worse than the worst. Look, I'm no fan of medical misinformation, okay? I'm no fan of people making videos and encouraging people to do things that may be wrong. I have heard over and over again from people about ivermectin. I've heard from medical professionals positive things about ivermectin. I'm sorry. I'm not convinced. And the reason is not because, like, you know, look, I don't trust massive multinational corporations, but you can't just come to me and say it worked. You know, I trust me. I'm like, OK, look, I've got to see stronger data. And then people come on and say, yeah, but the medical establishment is corrupt and they want to make money. And I'm like, that may be that doesn't mean something that's not proof positive. That's just indicative of corruption. So. Just because you think an industry is corrupt does not prove something to be true. You see, you see my point? I'm not telling you what to do, okay? I'm not telling you I'm right about everything. I'm saying I'm just more of a skeptic on most things, and I am imperfect. If massive multinational corporations are producing uh, some kind of new medication with a government mandate and no bid, no liability contracts, there's reason to believe that you know they don't want people to be talking about bad things that may arise from this because... They're making money, but they also have no liability. So in the end, do they really care all that much? I suppose people wouldn't take their product regardless of liability. So they don't want bad people talking. About, they don't want people talking bad about it. 
Sorry, that's what I meant to say. But ultimately, I think the biggest concern I have is the inability of people to have a conversation around these issues, honestly. And I think you've got to be careful about tribalist views. Because I get all these people spamming me with like, Tim's wrong about the vex, wrong about the vex, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, all my life, I've gone to the doctor and they've been like, we're giving you, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, don't know what it is, but I trust you, doc. And then when it comes to this, everyone's like, I no longer trust doctors at all. And I'm like, when did you ever? Like, I, they, they tell you to eat a thing. You go to a nutritionist and say, you got to eat more of this. And you're like, okay, I guess. Right? It's all faith-based and all trust. I'm not saying I trust the medical industry. I've seen too many creepy things. I'm saying I just don't. But my point is simply this. Just because corporations do evil things doesn't mean that alternative treatments work. It, it doesn't. Sorry. And there's been studies that are positive in, in, in uh, that, that have shown positive uh, effects from taking like ivermectin and many that have shown that's not the case, that it's done absolutely nothing. And that's why I'm always like, talk to a doctor. But outside of all of that stuff, I just want to say this. The fact that people can't have a conversation or debate the issue is insane. It's insane. OK, so the people on, on I'm sorry, on X right now that are posting all about this, <laughs> People on Twitter that are tweeting all about this. I think it's a legitimate question to ask if Bronnie James suffered myocarditis, vaccine related, which resulted in cardiac arrest. Here's what I'm going to say in my opinion. So is it possible? Based on everything we've just read, seems like it. However, when was the last time you got a vaccine? From what I saw, it was years ago. Maybe we don't have any updated information. According to everything we know about this so far, or we think we know, myocarditis happens shortly after. And, and with uh, an increased likelihood after the second dose. Why would he have gotten it recently? Take that into consideration. There have been stories of people who have suffered cardiac arrest athletes well before COVID and the lockdowns and all that. But we have seen more and more stories. You also need to consider, is the media hyper-focused on these stories? Because now there's a reason to be. When an 18-year-old kid suffered cardiac arrest from something 10 years ago, it wouldn't make headline news. Nobody cared because it was a rare occurrence. Maybe a couple dozen happened per year. Now it's like every story, anytime it happens, it has to be talked about. And it's because deep down people are concerned it may be the vaccine. I'm not saying that YouTube, calm down, keep your pants on. I'm just saying we should take into consideration you know, the fact that uh, I'm saying YouTube shouldn't restrict the conversation, right? And I also just hope y'all realize, right, if 12.7 billion shots are given out, and there is an adverse event, one in one million. You're looking at millions of adverse events in the news. All right. Like, actually, if it's one in a million, we're talking about a lot of stories, tens of thousands, 100 plus thousand. And then people are going to assume it's worse than it really is. But I'll say informed consent requires you having heard what I've had to say, looking into this yourself and talking to a doctor about you know what's going on. So anyway, long story short, man, we're so past this, aren't we? Right. COVID is is, is no longer as big in the news, but well, who knows? The election's coming up. So we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, my friends, to your current dystopian nightmare. Why it won't be coming in the future. It is here right now as AI thoughts and AI bots threaten our very existence. I'm an influencer, an AI influencer. Followers crave my sexy snaps, but I don't exist. Oh, boy. Yes, my friends, this is the story of a beautiful fake woman who is generating tons of money for likely the dude who created her. And this is why I've been warning about the AI apocalypse, why I think AI is a big problem. And oh, boy, every day when we learn more about the capabilities of artificial intelligence and where we're headed, do we start to realize the extent to which the damage will occur? It's an interesting story, something that I've talked about quite a bit. You go on Instagram and you will already find there are fake women. They don't exist, but it doesn't matter. Many of these guys know they don't exist, but they want it anyway. How long until it's on OnlyFans? Probably already. In fact, I think the story even talks about how this woman charges people for OnlyFans. It's not real. Now, there's a lot to talk about and how AI is going to destroy the world, but there is something funny I want to bring up. Women are about to lose all of their OnlyFans income, and I don't know what they're going to do. Let me just put it this way. You know, you got that Futurama joke about don't date robots, right? Guys are already going online and wasting money by giving it to e-girls, thoughts, and OnlyFans. I don't know, what do you call them? Digital prostitutes. They get nothing from this, but they love doing it because it's something guys like doing. Women, you got these stories where they quit their jobs. You got woman who was a nurse. She quit her job to do porn. And, and look, I know they're like, it's OnlyFans. It's different. Oh, come on. You're a, you're a prostitute. You're a di- digital prostitute. Just own it. You don't got to be mad about it. That's what it is. You're selling sex. You're selling your body to men for money. Now, I guess I don't get to touch you, but sure, whatever. You get my point. So you have these women, like one woman was a cop. She retires. She resigns and then starts an OnlyFans OnlyFans account. This is going to be really funny because women are going to be forced back into the workplace because of digital fake girlfriends. Look, ladies, y'all are on OnlyFans and whatnot, but let me just tell you. Guys are going to exploit guys. Guys are going to create AI women who will say and do things that guys like. Women, uh, many of them, I'll I'll put it this way. Look, they say men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Men don't understand women. Women don't understand men. But men and women, to a great degree, understand what, you know, women find, like each other will find attractive. Like a guy will be able to attract a woman. But Guys are going to, in my opinion, have an edge on creating content that caters to guys and women will not be able to compete with it. No, look, there'll be some women who are going to make AI bots. They won't actually do it themselves, but it's going to be overwhelmingly dudes. This will mean that the whole thought industry gone. Look, we've already got those. uh, What are they called? Those anime waifu streamer channels. It'll be some dude with a green screen or something, and then it's an anime waifu talking and giggling while playing video games. Yo, that's where this is all going. And it leads us to a very, very strange and deformed and dejected society. So let let me, my friends, talk to you about the AI apocalypse, but let's start with this. Her fans think they found true love, but she's not real. Mila Sophia is an artificial intelligence generated influencer 
whose sultry photos on Twitter and TikTok are racking up thousands of likes from deluded social media users. I'm a 19-year-old virtual girl from Helsinki, Finland. I was made by AI. Check my other social media accounts for the link below. Sophia, who goes by AI model Mila on her verified Twitter account, is certifiably fake. Yet her 7,790 followers can't help but drool over bikini photos of her in Greece. Still in Santorini, and I'm greeking out over how to leave this paradise, blah, 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 blah. Wow, you look so stunning and beautiful with a gorgeous smile, writes one user. Let's just talk about the obvious first. The people following the AI are probably also AI. Welcome to the dead internet. Many of the accounts on social media are fake. They randomly and automatically generate content to to appear real. It's creepy, isn't it? A lot of these bots were built to farm advertising clicks. So how much do you want to bet? A lot of this picture of this AI model woman, the responses she's getting are just AI generated bots on social media to appear real. That's the internet. It's one big fake creepy reality. But let's be real. A lot of guys are going to follow this account and be like, I don't care. You want to know how I know they don't care? Because there are apps already where people can download and talk to robots. AI girlfriends. There's something so deeply unsettling about it. AI boyfriends too, but let's be real. It's guys who are doing it. They know they're not talking to a real person. They don't care. They'll pay for it anyway. The AI bot will give you everything you want and more and more. So, of course, when it comes to these AI thought models, AI thoughts and bots, of course, guys are going to go for it. Man, if there was a concern about overpopulation, the solution is here, my friends. This is the, the Malthusian dream. And I'll tell you where it all goes. One of the most interesting things to me in this whole AI chat GPT circumstance we find ourselves in something I didn't consider. Now, with ChatGPT, you ask a question, it gives you a unique response, somewhat unique. Of course, they can be replicated. I remember thinking about this a long time ago, playing GTA. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if you get to the point where the characters can speak in real time and, and the computers are so advanced, they can just seemingly seem real? We're there. You play something like GTA, pre-recorded statements are made. You walk up to an NPC and it'll be like, hey, watch it, buddy. And then you'll walk up to a woman and she'll go, hey, watch it, buddy. And it's like pre-recorded stuff from some man and some woman. They record thousands and thousands of lines and then it's all static. But now with these AI voices, which we have easily, text to voice and predictive language models, this is where we're at now. You go into a video game, you're playing GTA and you're wearing a headset. And, and the new GTA should incorporate this. It would be crazy. Put on a headset, take your controller, and have your little dude run around the city. Run up to an NPC and say, hey, ugly. And the NPC can respond with unique predictive text and say, who are you calling ugly, jerk? It doesn't need to be recorded. It doesn't need to be stored. It is automatically generated by AI. And where does that bring us? A video game. Let's talk about Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Now, many of you are not big into video games. Let me just explain. It's an open world game. I love it. Elder Scrolls are fun games. Skyrim, similar to Fallout. And if you're not a fan of video games, it doesn't matter. Let me just explain. In, the, in, in Oblivion, you have a bunch of quests, but it's an open world where you can go around and do whatever you want. You don't need to actually play the story. You can just run around. And you can actually attack and harm anyone you want. 
There are certain points in the story where there is a main storyline. You, let's say, end the life in the video game of one of the most important main characters. A prompt will appear saying the timeline has been destroyed. You can no longer complete the main story. If would you like to continue? Yes or no? Something to that effect. You could choose to break the storyline if you wanted. Now, in later versions of some of these open world games, those characters could not actually be killed and they would just collapse and then just come back up. Like in Fallout 3, that's what happens. They're just like, whoop, I'm alive again. But the idea that you could just choose not to play the main story and have it be whatever you want, is rather interesting, especially as it pertains to the world of artificial intelligence. This is where things get really crazy. An open world video game where characters can be commanded to do things or told to do things they can actually do because your voice can be translated to text and then applied to certain behaviors of that character. We're about a year to, let's say at five at most, five years away from a video game. PlayStation can handle this. Internet connection required, of course. But you put on your headset. You're in an open world. You're playing a, a knight. You have a shield. And you run to a village. And a woman runs up to you and she says, help the dragon. It's come to destroy us. And you can literally say whatever you want. You can say, okay, I'll save you from the dragon. And the woman will then go, oh, thank you, good sir knight. Or you can say, shut up, ugly. I hope the dragon destroys your town. And the NPC, the non-player character, will respond in a unique way, being like, what? Why? Why would you say that? It's going to be crazy. And think about this. The game's storyline may be that you as the knight must fight the dragon. But instead, you go and say, actually, I like the dragon. And how would you like to be my wife? And then the NPC says, if you take me away from here, I'll do anything. With predictive modeling and this degree of AI, we're already seeing the video game world can be a unique experience for every different player that would be almost impossible to replicate. And you can do things outside the bounds of what the game designers actually expected you to do. It's already pretty crazy playing some of these open world games. But with this degree of AI generation, we are years. I mean, it's, it's, it's already possible, to be completely honest. But within years, it's going to be perfect. Already possible to have a virtual experience where you can escape reality and just live amongst NPCs. Think about how crazy it's going to be. With these chatbots that already exist, there can be NPC characters that are, that have, that are pre-programmed and say, this bot is aggressive, angry, brutish. This character is loving, kind, caring, and that will dictate their personalities. You can then live effectively in this social environment constructed by you. Control time, save, load, do unspeakable things, and then just reload the game. Ian last night on Timcast IRL mentioned that in fact, you'll be able to call the video game on the phone. Now, what it'll probably be is there'll be a companion app to the video game that loads your save and has all of the data stored on the character, things you've said to it, its memories. So let's say you've been playing a game like Elder Scrolls 8, the newest one, and you've met a small, uh, in a small village, a woman, a beautiful woman, and you told her that your favorite color is blue and you like pumpkin pie and you just don't like dragons. Everything you said gets stored in a text file. You don't need a whole lot of data to store that text file. This is the memory of that NPC. You then pull up the app and say, I would like to speak with, you know, Mary on the phone. Then you talk on the phone 
and you say, what are you up to? I'm just churning butter in the village. We were we were scared a dragon maybe maybe flying by. And then you say, oh, okay, well, and you and you just talk to this this bot in this video game. And that fulfills people's social interaction requirements in a rather horrifying way. Now, there's some cool and creepy things in the same time. Imagine you have a video game where you can call the NPC and say, hey, what are you doing? It's like, just sitting around. Okay, well, I'm going to be off work and I'm going to be coming to fight that dragon. I need you to go collect me three potions. And they'll be like, uh, I can maybe get you two potions. Like, okay, well, get me as many as you can. You got it. When you start the game, the character runs up to you and says, those potions you asked for. And then it's like, adds potions to your inventory. Crazy things like that, right? These things can easily be programmed into the game. There can be something like NPCs are capable of sourcing one potion per hour or every two hours or certain items for you. And you can call them and ask them to do it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This degree of predictive text can result in insane gameplay. We call it gameplay. And while it may be us just sitting there with the headphones on watching a TV screen, think about the implications for the real world. Why would anyone? And we've talked about Neuralink and you can plug your brain in and actually feel these things. We're maybe a long ways away from that. But already with where we're at in video game graphic technology, if you could have all of your social interactions be perfect in every way, if you could control time in these video games, saving, quick save, load, etc. Why would people bother having real interactions when you can have bot interactions? Now, I know a lot of people are already saying, no, I would never want that. It's creepy. I would rather be in base reality. Of course, of course you would. But others wouldn't. There are so many people that would rather just live in the fictional world. Now, get this. Here you see this uh, beautiful AI generated woman on your screen. How many people would go into this new video game and choose a, to create a character of a different identity? How many people want to be cartoon animals? How many people want to be inanimate objects? Not as many, but they exist. How many men want to be women? How many women want to be men? So let's think about those video games for a moment. You, a female, wish you were a guy. So you open the video game, you make a male character, or I'm sorry, body type two as the... Um, the new Dark Souls game calls it, I guess. You choose a male body, a male voice, and now you are in this world as a male doing male things. The same for males who want to be female. <clears throat> They'll go into this world. There are going to be a lot of people who don't want to exist in base reality because they are not what they want to be. How many people who are overweight, lazy, incapable, low intelligence, low status, would just choose to be the hero to be Superman. In the real world, it's painful. You work really hard every day, but you know what? You'll never have straight, perfect teeth, not like those celebrities. You'll never be beloved and famous with a chiseled jawline. But in your manufactured reality of AI-generated computer nonsense, you can have anything you've ever wanted. That's the insane reality that we are facing.
And who wouldn't choose it? Who would not choose that? A lot of people who are successful and wealthy would choose base reality. There's so many interesting implications to what this is. Here's what I think we'll see. For one, we're already seeing video games that use predictive language modeling for their NPCs so they can communicate with you. There's already apps where you can talk with a fake boyfriend or girlfriend or something. Video games are not far away from doing the same thing, and it will be revolutionary. Low status individuals for a variety of reasons. uh, I'm saying they're low status for a variety of reasons will choose to simulate high status life in these games. In the real world, high status individuals, tall, chiseled, attractive and confident people will live in base reality. Is this something anyone ever expected to happen? The natural selection of life as it pertains to the Matrix? In the movie, The Matrix, everybody's just in the pods. I think the lore of The Matrix is that humans ultimately chose to go in it. But think about what happens when we hand people the console and say, would you like to play the video game? Well, of course, there's me, Tim Pool, famous, successful, millions of followers. Why would I want to be in a fake reality? I have the world as my oyster, right? I'm not trying to actually be sound so conceited. My point is this. For somebody who is running a successful business, who has wealth and fame, celebrity, why would they play this video game? Maybe a little bit here and there because they want to be an elf wizard or something. But who would ultimately choose to live in this reality? People who don't have a lot of money. People who aren't successful. People whose businesses failed. People who can't figure out how to get a girlfriend or figure out how to get a boyfriend. When they struggle with social interactions, they will retreat to their homes to play the virtual digital game, the virtual world. And thus, who will be controlling the levers of power in reality? Successful, tall, beautiful, wealthy, smart. The divide, the wealth gap, whatever you want to call it, will become extreme. But you know what? It won't matter. Because these individuals of less ability or attractiveness or means will be happy. They're, and they're going to say, please don't take it away from me. And so what happens? Okay. You want to keep your robo-girlfriend? You want to stay in, in your world where you're a superhero? Live in the pod. Eat the bugs. Otherwise, we take it all away. And these people will say, I will do anything you tell me. And they'll live in the pods. They would prefer to be in the matrix. The people who do this ultimately likely to be on the left. And I'll tell you why. I've talked about this in quite a bit that conservatives tend to be more attractive. Tend to be doesn't mean absolutely. Of course, attractive leftists, male and female. And they're, of course, ugly conservatives, you know, male and female. But it's actually really simple. There's been numerous studies showing that conservatives tend to be more attractive. Why? Privilege. That's what the left would say. You're an attractive guy. If you're tall, if you're chiseled, you don't really work all that hard, but you just have the good looks. Life's easier. Same if you're a woman. If you're an attractive woman, life's easier. People do things for you. Everybody knows that's true. So it's easier to get a job. It's easier to sell products. It's easier to make money. And so what happens? These people say, look, I was able to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Why can't you? They tend to adopt more conservative politics. People who are sh- men who are shorter, who are uglier, less confident, same for women. Well, they have a struggle. And they say, 
life is very difficult. We have to band together and they adopt more collectivist approaches because they're stronger together. So what happens? People who have a harder time in life tend to be leftist. The people who have a harder uh, time in life are the ones who are going to want to live in these digital fake realities with their fake robo girlfriends. If you're an attractive guy and you can get the most attractive women, you don't need a robo girlfriend, do you? Now, there'll still be a lot of dudes who choose it because even the most attractive guy may have some, you know, strange predilections. Like I said, maybe he wants to bang an elf wizard or something. And so he goes for the elf wizard girlfriend. Fine. It will affect everybody. But the tendency will be affecting the left. So what happens? The people controlling the levers of power are more likely to be attractive, tall, successful, strong, confident, etc. Because base reality is great. And I'll be honest with you. I play video games sometimes, Overwatch or whatever. If someone came to me and offered me up this virtual world, I would say yes. And I'll play it sometimes, but for the most part, I don't really need to. I'm not going to go into Elder Scrolls reality to be a powerful knight, wizard, sorcerer, whatever, because my life is already pretty good. I, I, I enjoy myself. I like skating. I like playing music. Things are going pretty great. Not like Brad Pitt or anything, you know, but I, I enjoy life. And there are a lot of people who enjoy reality as well. And they want to smell the flowers and say, I just want to believe it's real. I would play the game because it's fun. I've played GTA before, but I don't play it all that often. I enjoy life. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people are depressed. They're sad. They don't like who they are. They want surgery. They want to be someone else. Soon they can be. And they'll take it. And they will take it. Now I wonder. What does that mean? Those people are substantially less likely to procreate, less likely to form pair bonding relationships, more likely to abort their kids, more likely to sterilize their kids. Yeah, I'm sorry. All of this just points to a conservative future. These digital virtual worlds will exist. More conservative leaning people will use them sometimes, but not as often as people on the left will. And then the levers of power will be pulled by those who are more conservative leaning, which will reshape the future. Now, here's the fun thought. Maybe we're already in it. If simulation theory holds true, we could very well just be in a video game. Maybe it's you. Maybe we're all NPCs. And I'm just that dude three dog from Fallout talking on the radio. I don't actually exist. What if this is a simulated reality, as people like Elon Musk have said, and you're just playing a game because it's fun? You may be saying, no way, dude. My life is way too hard. You know, I struggle every day. My back hurts. There's no way this was by choice. Maybe it was. Maybe in the real world, you're a billionaire software developer and you have everything you've ever wanted. And you are like, I just want to experience a regular life. Maybe you watching this, you're actually rather successful and you're running a good business and you're like, why would I choose this reality? I mean, maybe because in the real world, you suck. I don't know. I don't know that any of that's true. I don't know that we're in a simulation. What can we know? What I can tell you is we are building this stuff in real time. The AI thoughts and bots are real and they're going to take over. Right now, you've got Hollywood protesting on strike. Brian Cranston in the video is screaming, we won't let robots take our jobs. I find that really funny. It's reminiscent of the early 1900s and industrialization, the late 1800s, the Luddites, etc. It's going to happen. There's nothing they can do about it. They don't want to be fired. I get it. But simple enough, 
when you retire, they're not going to rehire. They're going to just bring in a robot. So you may be unhappy now. They may give in to your whims and desires. But over the long enough period of time, the machine will replace you. So it's happening. It is coming. And maybe Elon Musk wants Neuralink so that we can connect with it before it destroys us. But ultimately, even what I'm saying now doesn't go far enough because the extent to which AI will affect our lives, even I don't know. All I know is what I see before me. And what I see before me is fake people who smile and tell you they love you and can trigger emotions in people. The scary thought is when someone loses their kid, a loved one, a husband, a wife, and they take all your social media posts, load it into an AI and generate a bot version of you that looks and sounds just like you. The crazier things, and they take all the data that's been collected, say the NSA, for instance, feed it into the AI and generate a facsimile of the real world. And you can choose to live in it. Everyone you know and love and care about lives in that fake version of reality. And you can do whatever you want. I got to admit, wouldn't that be pretty fun? Now, for me, I might play the video game sometimes, but some people get lost in it. Some people already get lost in video games. But imagine a video game that combines all of the real world data from Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc. I'm sorry, X, etc. You go in this digital world and there's your boss and you can do whatever you want. Quick save, load. It's going to be crazy. I think it will ultimately destroy us. We'll stop reaching for the stars. We'll stop developing technology. We won't need it. I mean, maybe the AI will do it all for us. And then we will simply become become cogs in the machine to maintain this super intelligence that just keeps us docile. Looking forward to it, I guess. I mean, it's somewhat sarcastically. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Then I'll see you all then. While we peacefully await the AI apocalypse, we can still talk about the crisis of base reality. And that is the corporate press, the narrative machine is losing its mind over Elon Musk's rebranding of Twitter in the most hilarious of ways. I love this story from CNN business. Oliver Darcy writes, Elon Musk has officially killed Twitter. The zombie platform lives on as X, a disfigured shell of its former self. Okay, if you're going to go ahead and argue that X is a different platform because Twitter is dead, then I can only say that in a matter of one millisecond, X went from zero to 350 million new users. I saw that on Twitter. I don't know who tweeted it. I'm taking your joke. Sorry, I can't remember who said it, but uh, you get the point. They're losing their minds. I don't care if it's called Twitter, X or fecal feed. Okay, I tweeted that earlier as well. Call it whatever you want. I just read the news on, on, on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it. But oh boy, wait till you see this. The absolute meltdown and psychotic break that Oliver Darcy is having. Oh, CNN, seriously, you must be very desperate for clicks. Enough to write something so psychotic that we, the commentators, are forced to talk about it, thus generating traffic for you. Here's what he writes. Bye bye, Birdie. Let me uh, I'll zoom in a little bit. Bye bye, Birdie. Twitter, the text based social media platform that played an outsized role on society by serving as a digital town square, was killed by its unhinged owner, Elon Musk, on Sunday. It was 17 years old. A zombie Twitter known only as X reluctantly endures. A warped and disfigured platform, X marches on like a White Walker, 
an ugly shell of its former self under the command of a loathsome leader. Whereas Twitter was once a fountain of authoritarian, authoritarian, authoritative information, X is a platform where trolls can pay a small fee to have their ugly content boosted ahead of reputable sources. Oh, you're going to cry, Oliver. X is a platform where identity verification no longer exists and impersonation is only a paid subscription away. That's false. That's a lie. In order to be verified, you quite literally need to have a credit card and verify. And then they know if you're running multiple accounts. X is a platform where journalists are banned and smeared while the most repellent and dishonest voices are elevated. No, that's what it used to be. Mm. X is a platform where the rules are unclear and content moderation is largely an idea of the past. Funny. Sounds like how it used to be. More so on the rules being unclear. X is a platform where the most important and consequential decisions are made on a whim and can happen without any warning. Yeah, that's how it used to be. Mm. And X is a platform where vital infrastructure is crumbling and the most basic of features often fail to function. Sometimes, fair point, Elon took over, cleaned house, and there have been errors. A couple days ago, it was like not loading properly, but uh, it works. We're still using it. I still read the news there. Found out about this story there, actually. X might resemble Twitter. It might occupy the same address on the internet that Twitter once did. But make no mistake, it is not the same platform it once was. Even as recently as nine months ago, when Musk took it over, quickly decapitated the former leadership and threw the company into chaos and turmoil. I just, I just love this mental breakdown. The platform has ceased to be. It arguably died some time ago, before it was announced to the public by way of sudden and disorderly rebranding. In many ways, Musk has done to Twitter what Donald Trump did to the Republican Party wholly remade it in his own image. At least with Musk, the deformed entity is getting a different name, one that allows the public to perhaps separate Twitter from what Musk has transformed it into. X will, of course, inherit all of Twitter's business problems. Musk is the entity that has proven toxic to advertisers and much of the user base, not the widely recognized bird logo. How the billionaire ultimately turns that ship around is unclear, particularly as he faces new competition from Mark Zuckerberg and threads. So far, However, there is little hope that Musk will be able to successfully steer the ship out of the iceberg-ridden waters. He is, after all, the captain who led the ship into them, all while maniacally, <laughs> manically, sorry, not maniacally, manically laughing alongside his inner circle while standing at the wheel. Oh, I'm sorry, Oliver. Let me correct you on this one. Threads already is bleeding users. That's right. They technically still have them because you can't get rid of the account. That was probably on purpose. But user activity is way down. At least that's what's being reported. They don't even have a, I think they only just announced their chronological feed. It's a garbage platform. I'm sorry. I'm not saying Threads is useless. Maybe it will rise to the occasion. Maybe they will fix these problems. I tried it. I'm getting a whole bunch of threads from people I don't know or care about. I'm not going to follow this dude. Listen, okay. Let me explain something to you, Oliver. Threads is not competition for Twitter because I don't care about some shock jock YouTube guy who's pranking somebody. I don't. On Twitter, I follow activists, journalists. I follow some poker players, some skateboarders. A little bit, but not really. One or two out of the 800 plus. I follow news organizations and politically minded individuals because that's my core passion. On Instagram, they're sending me AOC. I, I follow AOC on Twitter, but I don't care to have her feed forcefully put uh, in front of me. I don't follow Ted Cruz yet. They keep putting his tweets, uh, his threads in front of me on threads as well. But that's not so much of a problem. 
you know, they do understand that I'm into politics. The problem is when like Zazo Brass superstar appears on the thread and he's like, just chugged another energy drink. And I'm like, why did I have to scroll past that? Because threads doesn't know what I like. So it sends me nonsense. And even then, the people I follow who post videos doing backflips, I don't care about their thoughts and opinions. So no, not competition. Elon Musk is turning Twitter around. User growth is, is happening. More people are using the platform and they're making money to the point where I got paid, dude. This is the crazy thing. So many people have tried to compete with YouTube. And now what we're seeing with X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, paying out high profile users, influencers, creators, whatever you want to call them. We're seeing a real opportunity for massive platform growth. What makes YouTube the premier outlet is the fact that you get paid. That's kind of crazy. I remember in the early days, MySpace and all that, there was this one website and it was just like MySpace. And they were like, but you get paid when you use it. That's right. The idea was they would give you a portion of all of the ads, uh, ad revenue generated when people viewed your profile. It's kind of sad. It was a really good idea. But at the time, we all thought it was a scam. I forgot what the website was called. But you'd log in and it was like, here's how many people viewed your profile. Here's how much you made. And I'm like, ah, was it a scam? People didn't use it. Then YouTube comes along and they launched the partner program. It was brilliant. If you make a video and ads appear in that video, we pay you. And so here I am. I make ad revenue off this video. Most of the business, however, is sustained by memberships at TimCast.com. So go to TimCast, click join us, become a member, or go to CastBrew.com and buy our coffee. I believe the decaf may be available. I don't know. Check it out. We're moving away from that ad model. It's not the way to go about it. It's just one piece. But for a lot of people, it is their core income. Now, here's the thing. Twitter launches the partner program. Surprisingly, nobody else does. Facebook kind of has one, but man, Facebook is just terrible. Instagram makes almost no money. And Facebook, the, the rules are random and we can't figure out why the bots keep flagging our videos. We don't break any of the rules. But now Twitter offers means to make money. X, call it whatever you want. Now imagine where we go here. You need to understand the brilliance that is Elon Musk's whims. You know, I saw some people saying Elon Musk is just doing things. And I'm like, I don't think he's just doing things. I think the dude is smart and has a plan and can see, you know, far ahead. I'm not saying he's playing 4D chess like a master or anything like this. But here's where we go. X is going to be the everything app. You will generate revenue from the content you produce. The people who see ads, you get a piece, right? Okay. When X launches financial capabilities like Stripe, guess what happens? They don't actually pay you anything. Well, what do you mean? Hold on. How do you mean you don't pay me anything, Tim? What does that mean? Let's say you generate $6,000 in revenue from posting X's, whatever Elon wants to call them. It then says $6,000 has been added to your X account. They never actually gave you the money. They still hold on to it. And only when you choose to spend it, do you actually get the money. You see how that works? Only when you choose to pull the money out, does X.com actually lose any revenue. That is the investment power, which means they'll operate much like a bank. You will generate content. You will generate revenue for the brand, but they don't actually have to give that money out. 
only when you withdraw it, like any bank. You know, most banks don't have enough money to, to handle every withdrawal. They loan money out. 100 bucks goes in, 90 bucks gets loaned out, but people never withdraw that much. They don't worry about it. That's why a lot of banks have withdrawal limits. Yet it's special approval to pull the money out because they don't want to run on the banks. That's what Elon is doing with X, and it's brilliant. The everything app. Money is made on the platform. Advertisers buy on the platform. You generate content, which brings in eyeballs. And then they will say you've earned 10000 this month. It's in your X account. And you'll leave it there. And you'll leave it. Which means until you choose to pull the money out, you're effectively working for free. Isn't that funny how that works? Now, of course, you're literally getting paid. You can take the money out whenever you want, but most people will not. So Elon has found a way to to generate 10 million, a billion dollars worth of content, but only have to pay it out sporadically to people by also having a financial access account. He seems to know what he's doing. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up in a, uh, actually, I think this is it. Yeah. Next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. I'm going to move the 630 segments to Fridays because uh, it's, it's way too cramped putting five segments in one day, not a lot, not out of time slots. And then this way there's content on Fridays, which people watch a lot of. So I'll do that. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. And I will see you all tonight. You know, the corporate press, they do this thing where they're a year behind everybody else or a couple years behind everybody else. Here's a story from Real Clear Politics. CNN witnesses three shoplifting incidents within 30 minutes at San Francisco Walgreens. That's right. They went to a San Francisco Walgreens to try and report on the strange practice of locking up all the products, including fake eyelashes and like hair gel and stuff. And sure enough, people actually shoplifted while they were filming. There's a camera pointed at the guy's face. He doesn't care. Now, the big picture here is not just ragging on CNN. It's that shoplifting is technically not illegal. It's technically illegal. It's on the books. But there's a lot of things called blue laws that are on the books that don't get enforced anymore. So here we are, my friends. Let's start with the hypocrisy of CNN, the idiocy and ignorance, and then the cultural ramifications. Take a look at this story from CNN Business in January. Maybe we cried too much over shoplifting, Walgreens executive says. Okay, then we have this video. Let me play this video for you. Kyung La of CNN says in San Francisco, we went to the Walgreens that is the number one spot for theft in all of the 9,000 U.S. stores per Walgreens. This is where chains once shut the freezer section, and we saw three thefts right in front of us. But across SF, coffee, mustard, nail polish are all locked up. What I love about this is Dayquil. Let me, you know, let me play the video. Is it going to give me the business? Yeah, Twitter, Twitter often does it. This is, and, it, and it predates Elon. Here you go. Here's the video. Uh, I got to get the audio going. Sorry. You see, that's, you know, every time, every time. The frozen food section. This. Chains, heavy chains that went from padlock to padlock on both sides of the doors. And this was bizarre, something I'd never seen before. This is just more icing on the cake telling us that rampant crime is is has become a, a regular part of life. So typical that in the 30 minutes we were at this Walgreens, we watched three people, including this man, steal. Did that guy pay? 
Did that guy pay? He didn't pay. Walgreens says this Richmond neighborhood store with aisles of products like mustard locked behind plexiglass has the highest theft rate of all their nearly 9,000 U.S. stores hit more than a dozen times a day. And you'll notice that uh, cold and flu medicine and fake eyelashes are behind these as well. When thieves turned to cleaning out ice cream and frozen burritos, workers grew so frustrated they resorted to the chains. They were ordered down by corporate because of the negative messaging. Nail. I don't know. I don't understand why coffee. I don't oh, know. here she is. But oh. It's, <laughs> it's become kind of like a police state in San Francisco. <laughs> you see, you, you, did you hear that? A local guy in San Francisco says it's become a police state because a supermarket had to lock up their coffee because people are stealing it. My guy, that's the opposite of a police state. People are taking security into their own hands. It's not part of city life. It's not part of the way people should be living, right? And that includes folks who are committing the crimes. Marjan Philauer, mom of three, small business and community advocate, says these visible problems in her city are leading to renewed activism driven by residents, like the recall of the city's district attorney last year. I think what we've seen, uh, especially in the past couple of sees the rampant shoplifting as a systemic problem from city leaders to an understaffed police force to the fentanyl crisis. When you're seeing that level of retail theft, that tends to be subsistence level retail theft. People, people are, who are hungry. People are hungry. There is a level of addiction playing out in many. That is the most frustratingly insane thing anyone can say. These people deserve exactly what's happening to them. And I have no sympathy and no empathy. Subsistence theft? Fake eyelashes, deodorant, Dayquil, spare me. You want to make an argument about taking medicine for your illness as subsistence? That I get. Nobody likes being sick and feeling miserable, and you might need to work, and you might be broke, but stealing is still wrong. But fake eyelashes, dude? Nah, we're not playing that. Here's the reality. Shoplifting is legal, technically, in San Francisco. Let me explain why. Um, how about this one? Uh, was it Florida? Let me ask you a question. Is it legal for a woman to parachute on Sunday in Florida? Many of you would probably say yes, but, uh, let me, let me double check. Pretty sure it's illegal. Here we go. Um, if you are an unmarried skydiving enthusiast who happens to be a female, do not attempt to skydive on a Sunday in Florida. It's illegal. Do you think any woman is ever going to get arrested for skydiving in Florida on Sunday? Of course not. But it's illegal, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. They don't enforce that law. Why? People would revolt. Well, you know, I got to be honest. They probably wouldn't. It's really interesting. Now that I think about it, if the cops arrested a woman who skydived, she, like she lands in a field and the instructor's there and they're like, yay. And the cops walked up and said, ma'am, are you married? And she went, no. And like, you're under arrest. Nobody would protest. Judge would probably throw it out because judges are reasonable. And they'd say, this is ridiculous. This law makes no sense. The judge would just say the law is garbage. So why does the law still exist? Because law doesn't matter. Now let's look at San Francisco. If people can walk into a Walgreens, take whatever they want, and then walk out, and they don't get arrested for it, sure. 
You can argue it's illegal. But do we really as a society consider it illegal if the cops won't arrest you for it? Do you think the cops would even show up? That guy who stole in plain view of CNN's cameras did not care he was being filmed. Right. So for you, you know, you live in a small town or in the suburbs or maybe even live in the city. You don't want people to steal from you. These big corporations, they don't care. I mean, they care for the most part. All that will really happen is they'll cease to exist because they can't exist so long as people are allowed to take whatever they want. That's it. The police won't arrest them. There's nothing you can do about it. You can try to physically block them from stealing, not with your person, just with like chains, because if you actually intervene, you'll be fired. So how can this society function? This guy, you know, in San Francisco, subsistence. Okay, it's all free. If you're at a Walgreens and someone grabs $10 worth of food and walks out, the police will not show up. They'll say, what do you want us to do about it? Arrest the guy. We can't arrest the guy. What's going to happen? And if that's the reality, it's not illegal, is it? Call the police on a female skydiver unmarried on a Sunday in Florida. And what do you think they'll say? They will laugh because the law on the books doesn't matter. What matters is what police are willing to enforce. And that means our good friends over on the West Coast are getting exactly what they've asked for. Now, all of us outside of places like California are shocked. How could they live this way? They don't care. That guy in that grocery store said it was a police state. Dude, a private business not letting you take coffee is a police state? <laughs> oh, my house. I locked the front door. It's turning into a police state. People should be able to just walk in and take whatever they want. Welcome to the uh, Democrat vision of how cities should operate. Now, you'll sit down with these people and they'll say, no, no, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. But we're going to keep letting it happen. That's what they'll say. They'll say, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. But they'll keep letting it happen. It's funny now. Walgreens, corporate, doesn't want the bad image associated with chaining up their freezers. Yo, I'll tell you what's going to happen. CNN ran this story. As of last night, it has 1.1 million views on Twitter from this one tweet alone. Now people are going to get the message. This Walgreens, it's up for grabs. There was a website someone sent me. The 10, the 10 best locations to steal from. And they said, screw the corporations. Take what you want. They mentioned a bunch of chains. I'm not going to mention them, but they basically said they won't do anything about it. You can take whatever you want. They won't do anything about it. It's an interesting world we live in, to be completely honest. You know, if you like go to Starbucks and complain, free drink, it's, it's like corporate policy. So I've heard. Now, I've been to Starbucks before and I've ordered a drink. They've made it wrong. And I said, hey, this is made wrong. And they remake it for you. Knowing that they do this, there are people who walk in and just lie and say, I had a drink made wrong. And they'll just remake it on the spot without having to pay. It's like an honor system. You think about where San Francisco is currently at. And I got to tell you guys, basically, you're choosing to pay. So what happens to a society when you have most people saying like, hey, if they don't got to pay, why do I got to pay? Yeah. What do you think happens? Everyone will just stop paying. The Walgreens will cease to exist because that system is impossible to maintain. Someone's got to pay for it. Maybe the rest of the Walgreens chains will subsidize it. But eventually, 
you're going to see a regular dude who's not homeless or starving just be like, I just saw someone walk out with a hundred bucks and I'm supposed to pay. How is that fair? Why do they get to take whatever they want for free? You're not doing anything about it. You don't care. Then why should I care? It's only fair, right? I wonder what California is going to look like in a few years. Anyway, shout out CNN. Good job. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. today. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.